Welcome to Couch Lobsters, the film and series podcast made by amateurs for cinema enthusiasts. The concept is simple, we assign each other a film or a series to watch for each episode and then keep our opinion secret until the day of the recording. Beware, this podcast is full of spoilers. Hello Dima. Hello Jess. How are you? Fantastic. It's a beautiful winter day. Oh right, yes. I forget that. What? It's kind of winter in the UK as well, so if that makes you feel better. Oh, makes me well, I mean we had 18 degrees today on a beautiful winter day, so <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Alright, for today we get two movies, don't we? We get Bloodsport and Barbarian. What do you want to start yep. with? Unless um... you go with your typical it was last last time it was yours first, mine second. Do you want to switch that or do you want to start with... You know what? Let, do you want to go wild today and let, let me do my yes. movie twice in a row? No, let's never do that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Jesus. Yes, let's go for that. Let's be crazy today, Jess. Let's. We can start with yours. Yes. Let's. let's not do yours twice in a row, though. Okay. For centuries, the Society of the Black Dragon has sanctioned an ancient rite of combat known as the Kumite, open only to the world's most lethal warriors. It has never been won by a Westerner. You are not Japanese. I can do it. Now, for the first time, the true story of America's <laughs> super agent, Frank Dukes, can be revealed. Uncle Sam can't afford to let you get hurt. I'm going to Hong Kong. Frank is going to fight in the Kumite, and we're here to stop him. An awesome human weapon. There's me just looking at it. Who infiltrates the Chinese underworld. I did not come this far to stop him now. Take him. Enter a forbidden competition. Couldn't you just get me in? Strict rules. No press. You're telling me you never break rules? Where every fighting style, every worthy opponent, every deadly technique I... clash in savage combat. Time to separate the men from the boys. And only one will triumph. Now I will break you. I... International martial arts sensation Jean Claude Van Damme in Blood Sport, the true story of the ultimate champion. Okay, so my movie pick for this episode was Blood Sport. Um, just to give a quick storyline for those who haven't watched it. It's about a U.S. soldier named Fran Dukes who came to Hong Kong to fight in a Kumite tournament, uh, which is a highly secret, extremely violent martial arts competition. Um, yeah, and so that's kind of like a quick storyline. Now, if you go to the stats of the movie on IMDb, it scored off 6.8 out of 10. Wow. Yeah, 6.8 out of 10. Okay. Can you imagine? I mean, I certainly I think can. it was rated in like when it came out, like in the 80s. 
And nobody has gone back to amend the rating or something. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only explanation I have. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it did get a 46 uh, from critics uh, okay. out of 100. But it did get a 74 on Rotten Tomatoes for audi- from audiences. So, you know, okay. you know, 74, it could be like a 7-ish if we probably want to translate it to MDB score. So, it's, I mean, it's a relatively similar score, audience-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, what's surprising to me was actually that is another R-rated movie. Um, that makes sense, because it's bloody. Uh, yes, but like R-rated. There was like... I think one scene probably in the whole movie, which like after watching it, I was like, okay, maybe I could see that. Do you know which one? Like before we... For the R rating, um, I'm guessing when the bad guy... Well, like for you, for you, like which was the... Um... For me, the R rating, I don't think... Um, I guess all the, the fact that there's blood a lot on them during the tournament... Like, when they get hurt, they bleed, and there's blood on the mat at all time. I don't know, maybe it's for that? Maybe you're not supposed to show... Because uh... I can't think right. of a lot of no, things. That's... Again, it's, was me, the rating... Like, I'll tell you my... Yeah, I, go. I don't know when it was the, like, um, replied, but, like, if I would think of, like, the whole movie in the general, and then, like, looking, like, oh, what was the R-rated scene? I think it's the one where, you know, the bad guy... In a movie, breaks a guy's leg. Um, breaks a guy's leg, and there's like you can see the bone pop out. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, definitely that one. I forgot about that. That was like well, even I was like, I was like, you. Yeah, okay, uh, that could be why. <laughs> Do they say fuck no. at any point? Because if they swear, that could no. be why. But they, I don't think I, they did. I, I did. I no, I don't think they swear no, in the movie. Not too much. But, yeah, it was. Yeah, so like looking at the rating, I'm like, okay, that maybe makes sense, but like R, mm, yeah. Well, anyway, not, so the not movie the was um, released because I'm yeah. saying R rated. Now we expect a lot of gore. Maybe if the rating was given at the time and it hasn't been revised, maybe that's why. I don't know. But the movie was re-released. I remember seeing somewhere the movie was re-released. Uh, for like uh, made for DVD, I think it's like two two thousand something seven ish. I mean, by that time, because okay. yeah, the movie was released in nineteen eighty eight. For those who didn't know, mm-hmm. so maybe at that time there's a different definition of R. But like when you re-release it on DVDs and and all that, like and then later for um, streaming services, it was again released in I want to say two thousand nineteen or something. Um, those stats somewhere, but I, to be honest, I don't remember for sure. But yeah, I mean, still, if if it still maintains that rating after being released on. DVD and um, streaming service, that is a bit strange. And like I said, there's only one scene that I can think of would qualify as that. But... Mm, I think you're right. I think it's the bone thing when he breaks the leg. Yeah. So, movie was released in 1988 with um, the budget of the movie was $1 million, a little over a $1 million. Mm-hmm. And it grossed 
uh, totally at about 50 million, which puts it nice. Yeah, nice profit at in 1988. Yep, I would say so. Especially like if you consider that the budget was a million dollars. Yeah, but it's also the Canon, right? That uh, produced it. Like yeah. the um, yeah, and they used to throw money at a lot of things, even if it didn't mm. make any money. Hence why they probably went bankrupt. Um, yeah. So, but then again, a million, even though at the time, a million at the time probably is a lot more now. Not a lot, but more now. It's not an expensive movie. Although, explain yeah, but... to me where the million went in the movie, um... because it's one set, let's be honest. Well, I mean, not one. It's probably... I mean, it's... There's the hotel and well, the it... tournament thing. <laughs> Uh, well, they had like a a, a base in, uh, at the beginning of the movie. They had, There's know. a few shots in a garden where he trains with, with his like, I want to say shofu, but sensei. it's not. It's, it's sensei. Um, so that's not expensive. It's just for me to... Yeah, but they had a The last scene was at the airport. There was the, one of the first scenes was at the military base. So, oh. you know... Uh, yeah plus you know like i mean it's one of the fun facts I, I guess about the movie but it it actually it had no no like Green stunt screen. people no, no it had no stunt people in there yeah so the whole like all those fights um those were actual fighters so they hired actual fighters for for the, the actors tournament. which yeah. explains so a lot of were, things yeah uh, so they, they were not like actors, but actually like professional fighters indeed. So there you go, a million. And the the whole movie was shot in 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 Hong Kong. So I don't know how expensive. Ah, uh, maybe TV that's was. why. Yeah. yeah, maybe the the traveling with the entire crew. I don't know. Yeah. I wondered about that. I wondered if they used like you know documentary shots of Hong Kong to just superpose on the movie to make it look like we're in Hong Kong, but really it's someone's backyard or you know the studio no no so it's actually like completely was shot in hong kong and i was reading um i guess maybe like a side note well the the main actor in a movie is jean-claude van damme tell me if i'm pronouncing him correctly then so it's jean-claude van damme yeah (laughs) you're very close yeah national belgium here Yes, we love him. We love and, him, but um, we also don't love his acting career. Like, people make fun of his movies a lot. Oh, that's a bit harsh. No, he did a few good ones, but he also did yeah, a lot I of mean, this bad was, movies. This was, yeah, but this was one of the good ones. Yeah, this and, one um, is known. I was reading that he he often chose to do movies, and if you look at especially like in the early days, um, his movie career, a lot of the movies that he's done was shot overseas. And some say one of the reasons why he did that is because um, some of his scenes are actually like actual fight scenes. Mm-hmm. So he was afraid to be sued in US. That's why he chose to to do the, really? the scenes outside of the US. Yeah. Because there would be a chance that he's... And, and, and there was a few points where he did get sued. 
Um, and yeah, so he was just afraid to be sued in the US. That's why he chose to do it outside. Isn't it also because at the time, so uh, the 80s, there was a market for like the Hong Kong movies with, um, you know, action movies well, from Hong Kong. And so for yeah. him, that was like, well, that's what I can do. Therefore, there's going to be work for me over there. And then I can make a yeah. name for myself. I don't really know. I'm not, a, you know, a Jean-Claude no. Van Damme fanatic. I don't know <laughs> oh, you're why. Not? No, but well, I, okay, I know no, a few yeah. things, but. <laughs> so actually like, um, like about on him, right? So he's obviously the main actor here. And yeah, for those who don't know, he's an actual uh, martial artist. And mm -hmm. he started training karate at age of 11. And mm -hmm. it was Actually, because of his dad, who saw who saw that his son was physically weak, so he kind of pushed him to study martial arts. Yeah, and he's actually like a black belt and um, black belt in karate. He's trained ta taekwondo, muay thai, and kickboxing, and he actually has a pretty dis decent um, like martial arts career. So he was like. 18 and one in kickboxing with 18 being all of his wins being by knockout. And then, um, he, yeah. So he, he ha actually, he's a legitimate good fighter. Yeah. yeah but you can and tell that. Yeah. He was, he was actually, um, on the Belgium karate team and he won the European professional, uh, middleweight championship as a teenager and at that time, he beat the number two best fighter in the world. So, oh. yeah, the guy is actually Impressive. legit. Yeah. Well, we know he's legit. Like, you can't make those kicks, like, if if you're not qualified. <laughs> I forgot uh, what they yeah, call, like, you know, spinning kicks. And... Yeah, it could be, like, a, maybe a good stunt or, you know... Like, no, but just the way he does the splits, like for me, that's enough. I know, okay, you know, you know your way around karate and all these other martial arts. Like nobody just goes and does the split between two chairs and, you know. Yeah, oh my God, hobby. that, 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 I mean, we might get back to, but that split on between the two chairs, it's fucking, it's fucking wild. In and then, like, room. yes. Yeah, when the guy walks in, he's, he's like, uh that just that meditating, makes... you know? <laughs> yeah, on his chair, like, not responding to the other guy. The other guy's like, what is going on? And he's just doing the split. <laughs> Don't understand. And, like, because of his, like, the, uh, yeah, it's actually, like, have you seen that commercial for Volvo where he does the split? Yes, between trucks, yeah, right? Two, or trains? Yeah, no, two trucks. Two trucks. That's also, yes. that's also like... That a, was awesome. Yeah, and, and that's a legitimate thing as well. I mean, the guy... Oh, yeah, serious. Serious guy. Um, so that's his, like, kind of, like, fighting bio. But um, yeah. he actually, like, came to... He moved to L.A. in 81. He took classes, English classes, working as a... A carpet layer, a pizza delivery man, a limo driver, 
And actually, he got his first role thanks to, you know who? Um, Chuck Norris. No all. way. Uh, Chuck Norris, yeah, got him uh, his first role in a movie. And he also got him him uh, working as a bouncer in one of his clubs. Oh, okay, that's, okay. Well, that's not what I was expecting when you said he's got his brain from Chuck <laughs> Norris. You can be a bouncer at my club. Lovely. Um, yeah, I heard he was doing a lot of like, um, you know those people who show up in a movie, but like they are background characters kind of thing, figuration? Like no, that's the French guy? word for it. No, just like people in a crowd. So if there's a scene, but extra? we need a crowd extra, that's the word. So he was doing a lot of um, jobs, like odd jobs, as a, an extra. But then because he wanted to be seen by the audience and the camera, he would act like a lunatic in the background, just so that he would like pop on screen. And that's also kind of how he got his break, I guess, at some point, because he was acting like a lunatic um, in the background and then... At some point, that worked. But then I guess maybe Chuck Norris helping would help too. To, oh, yeah, to open sure that first door. Chuck... Yeah, well, if you're Chuck Norris, you know, I'm sure you have some connection. Legend. Yeah. Yeah, legend. Um, but yeah, so like back to the movie. Um, he's ac- It was actually um, one day. So like one day w- walking on the streets... Uh, Jean-Claude spotted a producer of a big studio and showed that producer his martial arts abilities. And that's kind of what led him to be a star of the the Bloodsport movie. Okay. Um, Was Bloodsport his first one or was Kickboxer... Like, was Kickboxer after Bloodsport? No, No, Kickboxer came after. Yeah. Okay. Which is very like if you've seen that one, it's no, very, it's very similar plot, like similar plot. So he, it's like a fighting tournament. His oh, friend gets surprised. injured. Yeah, his friend gets injured there. So it's very, um, I would say similar plotish, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean it's still good movie. So, uh, like, was this so? Was this your first first time time watching the movie, right? Uh, it was, yes. So it was my first time watching this movie. Uh, I knew of the movie. It's not like a, I live under a rock. But I had never watched it because I have a thing against movies that are prior to the 90s. Because in my head, like that's all. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just like it would require an effort on my part to choose a movie from the 80s and like want to watch that that night if that makes sense because i'm like oh it's gonna be all the quality of the movie like the image is gonna be all grainy i don't know if i want that in my life (laughs) 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 it is and it is in this movie but i will say this i did not have a bad time watching it i expected something else hard to say i knew it was about a tournament but I thought there'd be a lot of 80s plot lines with a useless love story on the side, which there is, but it doesn't take a lot of screen time. So I'm fine with it. And overall, you get you get to see a lot of 
action because the tournament is at the center yeah, of the yeah. movie and you see a lot of fights between contestants Fighting, and that yeah. was quite fun so i expected worse i was pleasantly surprised let's put it that way okay that well, is not to say I'm that not... this movie is great <laughs> <laughs> actually like um well you're saying like 80s old i think the only thing that struck me the most like hey this is so 80s movies is like the fact that the whole movie has like this background music to it i don't know if you've yes. noticed it yes it's in all caps on my notes 80s music question, uh, exclamation points but like five of them um <laughs> but then good music though because fight to survive is awesome I like that yeah, song. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's still, but, like, the whole, you know, like, because usually, like, nowadays they do put, like, background music on some, like, tense scenes or, like, some, it's not like the whole movie is one big, you know, no. background music soundtrack, yeah, but it, this movie feels like it, you know, like, the whole movie, bit. you watch it, it's like, yeah. But it, well, um, yes so and th- no, I think, yeah, I didn't feel like it was a video clip or, like, a, a song. I feel like the music was there, not always, but then, yeah, it was predominant still because I wrote it down, but I did like the music. That was an awesome Mm. song. I don't know what band or who wrote this song, but it's fun. I love it. Maybe I'll put it in the podcast so people know what I'm talking about. good like I, I did i have not seen this movie and i don't think i was like old enough to follow music charts in the 80s <laughs> but i knew that song so yeah good song okay the acting in the movie is not amazing but then you said because they're all martial artists basically so they're not all are they in the tournament actors or are no, they... no 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 yeah in they, the tournament yeah the guys in the tournament, uh, yeah, n- not actors. They're actually okay, but then that explains some of the acting. What's less explainable is so at the beginning of the movie, he's not at the tournament, and there's this very long flashback that's very weird. Like it's <laughs> cutscene. So you see Jean Claude Van Damme entering a house that's occupied by this older uh-huh. Asian woman, and then there's a zoom on his face. Cut back to a flashback, cut back to his face, cut back to a flashback, cut back to his face, and he's smiling like a weirdo. That was a very weird montage to me. But then all of the flashback, there's like this young kid that's supposed to be playing him as Mm. a young kid. And that kid, what is up with that guy? Why did they cast this... I don't want to say retarded because it's me, (laughs) but it, it... The kid cannot act and then speaks with like this weird accent that doesn't sound anything like Jean-Claude Van Damme later (laughs) I just don't understand and he he just looked a bit like confused at all times like it wasn't all there in the head hey maybe and I just couldn't understand the casting choice they had one million dollar to work with so they had to hire somebody well I think nine hundred thousand dollars went to Jean-Claude Van Damme probably 
Because like I said, I don't see a million dollars in this movie. But yeah, that young kid was weird to me. It just took me out of the movie. I was like, I, yeah, I asked Dave, I was like, what is going on? Why did they pick like some mentally challenged person to, uh, you know to what? play Jean-Claude Van Damme on, Young? On those scenes, the flashbacks... It actually it holds the record for the whole for the longest fla- flashback sequence. It is so long. It goes on forever. Yeah. You see the entire training montage of him becoming like a martial yeah. artist. Yeah, so that's kind of like oh. roughly it totals to about eleven minutes. So it it is making the single longest flashback scene in any film to date. <laughs> It felt like 30 minutes of the movie. <laughs> it really did. It's just why. And then it's weird to me that usually a training montage comes like later in a movie, right? Or you see like in Rambo, uh, not Rambo, the other one, Rocky, when he trains towards the end of the movie and you see that massive scene and he runs the step. But that's like towards the, not the end, the three quarters of the movie. Mm-hmm. Here, the training montage happens first thing in the movie. It's just a bizarre choice to me. And to put it as a flashback, but not just a flashback, to cut back to Jean-Claude Van Damme's face in the present, smiling for no reason. And it's a massive zoom on his face. It's just so bizarre. That was weird. But yeah, the flashback is a bit... I guess you need to understand something about his character i guess that he liked his uh, sensei and that he wants to make him proud and then Mm. the sensei's son is dead and i don't see how that affects the movie at all i don't care about it um weird (laughs) weird that whole the first part of the movie was so weird but so mesmerizing at the same time because i was like what is happening what am i watching (laughs) it's so 80s (laughs) Just couldn't look away. So that was weird. Not bad, but bizarre. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm glad you liked it. Sort of. Kind of. I did, I, I, let's, let's be mitigated here. Um, I have notes. Why? Okay, so... At the, before the flashback, the unnecessary long flashback, you see the very first thing you see it, with the opening credits is like people training for the tournament you don't know that yet but you see people training right Mm -hmm. and one of those people is a person of color and his way of training and that's in the movie i'm not making this up is to climb like a monkey up a tree to bang coconuts and that's the person of color that is doing this later on in the movie during the tournament the same guy (laughs) is fighting like a monkey like on all four and trying to jump on the back of the competitors and etc. Again, they pick the black person <laughs> to give them this storyline. <laughs> I'm sorry, but what oh, the eighties were wild, honestly. You can't do that anymore. You would be sued for like racial discrimination, yeah, for sure. I mean, sure, but like at the same you know, like if you've seen um you know, any other, like, Asian-made movies. Like, you know, like, Asians also have, like, these crazy fighting style, like, the drunken drunken master or something. You know, like, does it, does it mean that, you know, Asians can't handle the drinks or they drink too much, you know? But, I mean, it is what it is. Maybe there's it's just... It's less racist, though. <laughs> 
they literally <laughs> pictured a black man fighting like a monkey for the entirety of the movie. But the opening scene where you get to know this character, air quote, because you don't really care about this character, it's him climbing a tree to bang coconuts. So yeah, bizarre. It's, uh, so, so bizarre. It's just one of the fighting styles that they have. Sure. <laughs> sure. There's also... Okay, I put this down, so I guess it's, it was important to me at the time. So, at some point, there's a scene where he, the teacher, the sensei, is teaching him how to do the splits. Or, like, so he's got his legs tied up mm, with yeah. rope between two trees. And so, where Jean-Claude Van Damme is, behind him, it's daylight. So, it's during the day. But whenever the camera cuts back to the guy, the sensei, it's not dark, it's nighttime. Then you move back to Jean-Claude and it's daytime again. Back to sensei. Oh no, it's nighttime this time. Like, oh my god, I can't, I can't believe you're nitpicking. You're nitpicking on such <laughs> tiny things. <laughs> it made me laugh. I was like, oh, so 80s. Like, how would you know when you're editing the movie, think... Oh, why did we shoot these scenes at different times during the day? And why can't we use cuts that are from the same, you know, daytime or nighttime? Just pick one and go with those cuts. I don't know. <laughs> but that made me laugh. It's actually um, interesting because the movie initially was kind of had very bad editing and the studio didn't even want to uh, release it. So... Jean-Claude had to, he was pretty much re-editing the movie later on just so it would get released. Well, yeah. That explains a lot. So, yeah, that could explain but it. Yeah, I'm nitpicking because overall, I think the experience of watching this for the first time, I was happy with it. I thought it was cool that they focused a lot on the tournament and all the fights as opposed to, so there's this side plot line with the two... I want to say they're police officers, but they're not. They're from the army, right? And they're trying to get him to come back to the US mm -hmm. because they don't yeah. want an army person to go fight in a tournament. And I guess the you could erase that storyline from the movie. It wouldn't change anything at all because mm -hmm. it's useless. There's not much happening with that. So they, they come to Hong Kong and they there's one scene where they run after Jean-Claude and he jumps from little boat to little boat and they get they fall in the water because mm -hmm. they're useless <laughs> one of them is played by Forrest Whitaker but like mm -hmm. a very young Forrest that was quite fun to see him uh, very young but I guess that storyline for me was a bit useless because it didn't amount to anything they never stopped him from going to the tournament he didn't even care that they were there and he it never stopped him to think, you know, maybe I shouldn't participate now. So just erase it. But at the same time, it was a very short storyline, like plot storyline. We focused on them for maybe 10 minutes of the entire movie. So it wasn't like a big problem. Same with the love. The, although the journalist really irked me. Because she's like, oh, I'm supposed to be this. Yeah. So he falls in love with this woman who's trying to write, I guess, an article about this underground tournament, right? That takes place every five years, four years, I'm not so sure. Um, but then she's like, I'm very good at my job and I do a lot of undercover work. She goes in the tournament, like 
under the skies, I guess, she's wearing this fancy dress, she takes out her little tape recorder during the tournament mm. to, like, you know, record her notes. Are you kidding me? How discreet can one person be if you are undercover in this tournament that does not allow any sort of press there? She might get, like, executed or something, mm. given, you know, the level of secrecy. Um, no, she just goes and takes her tape recorder and she starts recording the article in the middle of the tournament. I was like, are you kidding me? No, this character make, makes no sense. Yeah. But she's kind of eh, irrelevant. So, on the plot line, um, I had no idea, to be honest. Like, I've, I've watched this movie, this was maybe my fourth time watching it. Like, oh my God. I mean, in the entirety of my life, it's not that much uh, when was the first time you watched it when you were a teenager probably maybe 12 i want to say yeah like yeah makes sense and um and like this time i was i I finished watching the movie and i pretty much remember majority of the movie and then when the movie stops and it goes to like the credit scenes Uh and i see that like there's a line that this motion picture is based upon true events in the life of yes. Frank Dukes. I'm like, what? yeah. I'm like, so apparently it turns out that this Frank Dukes character, he's an actual like martial artist. And so the movie is actually kind of loosely based. So like there's like a, a bit of like debate online and between okay. certain authors, but the guy was actually like also a legitimate martial artist and he uh, allegedly also fought in Kumite and allegedly won it. Yeah. From what I can read, it says that he fought from 75 to 1980. So 1975 to 1980. And he retired undefeated uh, as the world heavyweight full contact committee champion. Yeah. And then during that time, the 75 to 81, so he also served in the U.S. Marine Corps. Okay. Um, So, and he claims that he was sent on covert missions throughout Southeast Asia, that he got Medal of Honor, and then that he also was recruited by CIA. So that's why kind of like the movie is kind of like based on, you know, and that plot that he was in the army and all that stuff, you know. South, okay. like Southeast Asia, it's kind of like kind of fits into his story. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why. But again, there's like a bunch of like debates online whether or not that in fact happened. But you know, I just choose to believe. Yes. And then like when I saw that, I was like, "Wow, that's kind of like impressive." That, that you know, like looking, and then you kind of rewind back, and you're like, "Oh, that's interesting." That you know, if that in fact is true, that's kind of fucking cool, you know. Um, yeah, I was very surprised when I saw that. Apparently, he also holds like four world records for the fastest knockout in three point two seconds. Uh, fastest punch with a knockout forty two like no point forty two of a second. Fastest kick with a knockout seventy two mile per hour. Fucking hell! Most consecutive knockouts in a single tournament fifty six. That's crazy. And he fought over his uh, Kumite career 329 matches and was undefeated. That's insane to me. 
Yeah. It, it was very interesting to to find out that the movie is kind of like based on a true story. Yes, I did yeah. not expect yeah. that because it's such a wild story. Yeah, yeah. Like as a Hollywood movie, sure, but I did not expect to see based on the true life of this guy. Okay, so Kumite really exists. Yeah, like, <laughs> apparently. <that's insane. laughs> and you know, on that topic, like the the guy. Um, in the movie, so the character, actually, like, he was the inspiration for a character from a Mortal Kombat, mm-hmm. the the game, the video game. Yeah. There's a character there called Johnny Cage. And, yeah, so the character is kind of, like, loosely based on, on the character from Bloodsport. And actually, like, um, okay. have you, like, played the game? Have you seen any of the... Yes, I sometimes when I'm bored, I watch the fatalities on YouTube because it's fun. You know, when they, you do the special thing, and so yeah. they like so it's the, super violent and gross. So this character Johnny Cage from Mortal Kombat, his fatality is exactly the same. Like one of his fatalities in one, because he is like in different games, he has different ones. Um, okay, is him doing the split. And then punching a guy and a growing or a gal, um, so that's kind of what one oh, of his rude. yeah fatalities, which is exactly what uh, this Frank Dukes did to you know that Japanese sumo wrestler in the movie. Yes, so vaguely. What, yeah, so I watched what, it last week and uh, no. <laughs> well, one of his it. fights, one of his fights in the tournament, he was fighting this like huge um, Japanese Remember guy. Remember the sumo guy? Yeah, the sumo yeah. guy. So, and, like, during the fight scene, so he was, like, trying to, you know, beat him up, but he couldn't do it. So, like, the guy was, like, was, like couldn't do it because his punches had yes, no effect. he punches him in the ground. Yeah, yeah and then, yeah, so, yeah. his finishing move to finish that sumo wrestler was to do the split. So, he kind of, like, he jumps down, does the split, and then punches him in the groin. The testicles. Yeah, testicles. Yes, that must hurt. Yeah. Even for a sumo. And that and that looks so cool. You know, like you do That is. Uh, yes. The fights look very cool. Like you can see a lot of the times you do you do see that the hits don't really land. Um so you can see that he's punching him and the head is turning just before kind of thing, before the punch connects. But the choreography of the fights is really yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, even if you compare it to move, like action movies from this era, I think in this one, what's cool is that the action is on the screen. It's not like a lot of cuts and you, you don't yeah. really see yeah. the kicks or you don't here you see the entire fight and the camera is far enough away from the, to see a the lot mat yeah. that you understand everything. Yeah. And I enjoy that. Yeah. And that could be because like I said at the beginning, because you have actual fighters doing the fighting scenes yes. and not just actors. Um, yeah, probably. So Even that, like, the tall... So his friend in the tournament, um, Jackson, mm. I think was his name, the big... is also yeah. American, I think, yeah. and he's, like, this massive guy. Not very muscular, because he fights topless, and you're like, oh, big gut. Um, is he also a fighter? Because uh, I feel like I've seen that face in movies. Yeah, I've seen it. Not I, as I'm a not main sure, guy. No, no, but... I don't think he is. No. I think it was just no. sort of everybody else, but yeah. Yeah. Even like the he... main bad guy, Bolo yeah. Young. Yeah, so the main bad guy, he's also apparently like um, 
like a legitimate like martial artist practitioner. Okay. He played. He his like movie career dates back to 1970s. Okay. And his most recent movie is like 2023 this year. So the guy has like a lot of um, experience, both like movie wise and physically. He's like in terms of like physical abilities, like he's also legit. And then he actually um, his big break was alongside Bruce Lee oh. in the 73 the Enter the Dragon. So he played with Bruce Lee there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was his kind of like big break. And then from there on, he went on to play a lot of movies with like Jackie Chan and a bunch of like other Hong Kong. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. He actually trained with Bruce Lee as well. In China, right? And he was known as the Chinese Hercules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but he says he was born in China... But then maybe was Hong Kong part of China at the time? No, he know. no, terrible it, with no geopolitics. It was actually British at that time. But then he kind of so he ran okay. away from the from China to Hong Kong because like uh, of the communist regime. You no, know, from the communist regime and yeah. To be fair, you can tell he's into bodybuilding because he's massive. Like martial artists, they can be lean. They are like Bruce Lee first example is yeah. not massive right it's not like a bull but this guy bolo young um yeah he is quite impressive uh and i thought the fight so like you see that coming from the get-go that at the end it's going to be jean-claude against mm-hmm. what's his name in the in the movie the bad guy sean lee something like this yeah yeah, yeah. um you see that it's going to happen and you also kind of foresee that Chong Li is going to do something bad to Jackson at some point, and that's why Jean-Claude Van, uh, Van Damme wants mm-hmm. revenge, sort of. But then what I kind of should have expected and didn't re- I forgot about, because so when the movie starts and you see the, the entire, the 11 minutes long training montage, at some point you see Jean-Claude training to fight blindfolded, right? Mm, yeah. And obviously, that's foreshadowing for what might or is going to happen at the end. But I completely forgot about it because mm. it's such a... Because the montage is at the beginning of the movie, obviously, and I just forgot about it. So at the end, when Chong Li is cheating and like... What is it that he has that he blows on, into his eyes? Like a Some pill or chalk or no, some powder? Like, yeah. He, yeah, he he, cru- he crushes something like a pill of some sort, and then blows the powder in the in the eyes of Jean Claude Van Damme. So he can't fight with his eyes anymore. He has to fight to fight blind. Obviously, should have seen that coming, but my brain wasn't <laughs> computing. Um, but then again, I thought that was cool. Like the fight was interesting, and the way he wins is good for the character because he uses all of his training to make mm-hmm. his like sensei proud and win over the brutish bully that Shongli is. Um, but then some of the kicks in that fight are awesome. So like the, the poster, you see him uh, kicking. So he's like jumping up, like doing a split sort of thing, kicking up. What's this kick called? Because I, I, I don't know run. anything about martial arts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is it like a run? No, it's not. So it's like kicking strongly in the chest, but like jumping up and doing this splitty thing yeah. movement. Split it's really thing. cool to watch. Yeah. Uh, actually, Dave ca- called it like a spinny dragon kick. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, are you sure that's the accurate name? And then he was like, oh, no, I guess it's called a helicopter kick. 
So it could be either one, a spinny dragon cake or a helicopter trick cake. Yes. I don't know anything about cakes. Something like Just, that. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme is known for his, like, splitty cakes. I'm going to call them that. Because even in Expendables, I want to say the second one, he's the bad guy in that movie. Have you seen the Expendables? I've seen them. I don't remember. Okay, just... Okay, anyways, <laughs> at some point he kills someone by doing a cakes and, like... Kicking a knife into someone's heart by just doing like a oh, roundhouse yeah, kick, yeah, spitty yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 and I thought, that. the man is like old now. Yeah. He must be in his 60s? No, I don't know. Um, Probably, because yeah. he was like about 20 in the 80s. So, And it's 40 years from then. Okay, let's say he's in his 60s. He's still like a pretty athletic yeah, he guy. He was born in 1960. Fucking hell. Yeah, yeah, he is in his 60s. Yeah, I mean, oh, he's crazy. close to 70. No, what? I know, 63, right? He doesn't look it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You're asking me to do mass live. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Dima. I'm just trying to round it up in my head, like 60 to 2000 and then at 20 to that. Um, yeah. But So, yeah, I was concerned when you assigned this movie to me. And then... I was happy I watched it because it wasn't as bad as I thought. I wouldn't say it's amazing, but I understand that if you grew up on this stuff, and I think mostly boys would have, yeah. um, it's the kind of movie that is going to evoke a feeling of nostalgia for you because you probably remember watching it maybe with yeah. your mates or just alone, yeah. but thinking that is the bollocks. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, so... like. It it did like the whole movie and that that era brings like a lot of like memories. So like, and I think because there th- th- there were sequels after that, so that there was like a Bloodsport two, three, four, but I don't think anybody remembers it because they weren't as good and there was no uh, Jean Claude in there, so it was kind of you know you can just re- mm. erase those. But like the whole movie. Like, first of all, the movie left a, a legacy, you know, like, on the whole, like, martial arts scene and UFC and whatnot, because it's so early yeah. on and you see all these, like, different martial arts, fight style. But, like, just in general, like, him and what all the guys in that era did, you know, like, because you have pretty much all the Expendables characters, right? You have Sylvester Stallone, him... Yeah. Steven Seagal, Bruce Willis, you know, Arnold, Jackie Chan, Jet Hold Lee. on, back up, back yeah. up. Steven Seagal is not in The Expendables. And not? I fucking pray to God he never makes it. Because that guy sounds like an absolute no, douche. No, I don't he, know if you know, know about yeah, his yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, but I, no, he, yeah, he's... he's but I know, yeah, obviously, he's he was a popular action guy in the 80s, yes. Yeah, uh, no, no. What I meant, and I think I said it, but that... Like, pretty much all the guys in the Expendables and and beyond, you know, like, um, just the whole era of action guys who... who Yeah. Uh, so, again, yeah, like, Jackie Chan, Jet Li, Dolph Lundgren, you know, like, all those guys, yeah. like, made a huge... Arnold! Impact. Yeah, Arnold, yeah, I've, I've said Arnold. And actually, you know... Oh, sorry. You know what, like, why? You know why I gave you that movie to begin with? So, I was... Watching this show on Netflix, new Arnold show called Fubar, 
Oh God! Yeah, I tried. Um, so I was watching Fubar, and you know, time came, and it was like during the the time we recorded, like the previous episode, mm-hmm. and I actually I was like just thinking about like, hey, maybe I should give you some you know Arnold movie, yes. and I started looking through his like biography, and I was like, oh yeah, like Predator, maybe Commando, you know, like a bunch of like really good ones, and I'm like, okay. That's good. A lot of good movies, but I'm like, okay, who else is in that 90s action um, uh, action superstars? And I'm like, boom, we have the perfect Belgium guy for the, you know, uh, I think his nickname, Eva, e- yeah, his nickname was Muscles from Brussels. So, okay, but that's only an English, because I don't think we called him that in French. So I, because th- that's, a lot of people tell me that, oh, yeah, the muscles from Brussels. I'm like, what even <laughs> is this? And I thought they meant the muscles like the animal that you eat. What? You know, from Mus- the sea. Oh, my God. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> what do you mean the muscles from Brussels? <laughs> and then I understood that it was the muscles, like yeah. the arms and the, yeah. Yeah, the like muscularity. <laughs> yes. Yes, uh, the too. muscles from Brussels, Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. National treasure, really. Um, sure. But like, who who among those like '90s action stars, like these '90s or '80s? Because I think that's different. Well, I mean '80s, late like '80s, '90s. Okay. Um, from the ones that I would know, I I don't mean that I've seen all the their movies, but for example. Although Bruce Lee is a bit prior to that, no, isn't he? It's yeah, more the seventies. Yeah. Earlier. Okay, I've never seen any movie with Bruce Lee in it, so but that's maybe I will one day. But then for me, yeah, there's Jean Claude, there's Steven Seagal, there's Arnold, there's uh, Rambo. What's his name? Sylvester Stallone. Stallone. Sly. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, and I guess there's like a bracket under those with like Dolph Lundgren and the the guys have. Never watched any of their movies, but also have no interest, and that they haven't really had a career later on. I feel because I feel even though Jean Claude has never been taken seriously, and you can't really say that his career has flourished, unlike Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. I think he's well known to the world for some mm. reason that I can't fathom. People <laughs> just know his name, maybe because of his name. I don't know. Um. Who else from the 80s do I well, think of? Jet Li, Jackie Chan. Um, yeah, Jet, uh, Jet Li for me, it's more 90s. And for some reason, Jackie Chan as well. But I guess they started off before the 90s. I think I wasn't really Jackie familiar started, with them prior. He, he started in like 70s, probably late 70s. Yeah, he's old, old as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but I, for some reason, for me, I only became aware of Jackie Chan when I watched the movie Rush Hour. With a uh, Chris Tucker, Chris Tucker. So that's when I first discovered Jackie Chan, and that was in the nineties. So I associate him with mm. the nineties. I think Jet Li is the same thing. I started watching his movie later, and they were like movies from the nineties. Um, or maybe I guess to an extent, but Mel Gibson was also actiony at the time, and then he changed his career a bit, but. Yeah. Because if you think lethal weapon, mm. but not action like kickboxing action, just 
action with guns and helicopters and mm. I don't know car chases. I guess for me, who embodies the most the 80s would be Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, probably. But the most famous. Definitely. Yeah, I guess because they're the most famous ones. I and then again, I have no love for like. 80s movies so i haven't seen i haven't seen the the little movies that nobody is watching with like awesome fighters that we may not know about so i don't know there must be other guys for sure for you who would you name as the 80s action stars like for me it was definitely like growing up was like the guys that i named you know sylvester jean-claude um Arnold, Jackie Chan, Dolph mm-hmm. Lundgren, Bruce Willis, probably yeah. Bruce Willis. Yeah, to uh, one extent that uh, works. So, yeah. Yeah, but I guess out of all of them, I feel like only a few were really, I want to say martial artists, but not, not really, because I don't think Sylvester Stallone was a martial artist. However, he did a lot of his stunts himself, didn't he, at the beginning? Yeah. So, like, when you watch Rambo and when you watch Rocky, mostly that's him on screen. Yeah. I feel like there may have been cuts where they used a, a double, but... So, I think... And the same for Arnold uh, at the beginning as well. No, Arnold... Which I, I watched be- recently yeah, on yeah. Netflix. Yeah, Arnold at the beginning. Well, at the because, beginning because of his career. he was, like, a, also, like, a... Um, not a bodybuilder, martial, wasn't yeah, a bodybuilder, he? like, you know, Mr. Universe or whatever is the highest. He, yeah. He's, like... Several several years in a row, so he's like an actual badass as well. Like all those but guys. But he had so. like a physicality, yeah. yeah, and he wanted to do the stunts. And I think he worked on projects that didn't have a lot of money. But for all of them, before they get their big their big break, so you work on movies that are quite small in terms of budget. Therefore, there's maybe not enough money to pay for stunt doubles, and they want they they want it so bad that they will do their stunts themselves. Yeah. But I think for Jean-Claude, it's different. He wanted to showcase his abilities because he knew he was good at fighting. So mm. he wanted to show that on screen. But I guess the downside of that is that he got typecast as the, you know, the kickboxer or the martial artist. And he's never had any roles where he wasn't some serious, sort of a fighter. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, uh... That's it for me in uh, Bloodsport. What's your point on the movie? How do you feel about it? Do you like it? Or did you think when you watched it this time, oh, it's a bit old? I I think I always liked it. Um, And like the fact that it was like late 80s, you know, it didn't bother me at all. So I was pretty happy. And like I said, like I've had like nostalgia looking looking at the movie. And so, yeah, I'm pretty happy. So like if my score, right, if I'm not now... Let's score the the um. So Ooh, in, let's score it. Okay. IMDb had a six point eight. Um, mm-hmm. I I would put it at the like on a six point five to me. You know what? I was gonna say six point five, but because I enjoyed it more than I thought, I was gonna say I agree with the six point eight. Mm. I feel like. Because it focused on the right thing. That's what I think is important. It's like people wanted to see a tournament and that's what you get. You don't get some weird, you know, the love story doesn't take too much screen space. Neither does the the plot line with the army trying to get him back to the US. So if you want to go there for the action, you get a lot of the action. And it's well filmed and you see some really cool moves. 
And yes, the characters are super stereotypical, and the acting isn't amazing, but I don't care because I'm watching fights. Mm. They don't need to act when they're fighting. Um, so at the end of the day, I thought it was better than I thought. Okay. And I like Jean-Claude. <laughs> and I'd never seen him so young, you know, in a movie. It was so weird. <laughs> he looked so boyish, like, uh... But yes, I would say it's a good one. It's maybe a good introduction in, like, those fighting-style 80s movies that I've seen none of. So maybe I'll watch Kickboxer next, yeah, if I'm bored one day. You should. Any last-minute closing remarks from you on... I think I'm, I've, I've said my piece. I liked it. No. Yeah, I liked it. And I was impressed by Jean-Claude's like moves, honestly. I knew he was a good fighter, but like I had not seen it on screen. Yeah. I knew he was good at the, the splits because of that Volvo commercial. Mm. Um, so it was fun to see him doing it between two chairs in a hotel room for some reason. Yeah, and it was like a, like a legit, it's like dipping under, was, yeah. But yeah, it's good. Yeah, the guy is mental. And he's still, I don't know if he still does the split, but he's still like, he looks fit, physically speaking. Because yeah, there's, there's a show recently, I don't know if you've seen it, it was called, called Jean Claude Van Johnson. And yeah. I know people don't like it, but I thought he was hilarious. We basically, he plays himself, so he is Jean-Claude Van Damme, but Jean-Claude Van Damme is like his uh, cover because his real name is Jean-Claude Van Johnson and he's like a CIA operative. And so they made him a movie star so that he could go on set in different countries to like go on missions under the guise of shooting a movie, basically. Mm. So it's kind of a silly premise, but it pokes a lot of fun of him and he is very good at making fun of himself and I thought that was fun to watch and he looked fit and that was maybe four or five years ago mm. so yeah recommend if you have time all right, right want to cool. move to barbarian sure oh you've got to be kidding me Yeah. This is 476 Barbary, right? Yeah, I'm renting this place. No, I booked it a month ago. Are you sure you have the right place? Yeah. What am I supposed to do? Why don't you come inside and we'll call these idiots. Why don't you just crash here? Oh, no. I don't know if you got a great look at this neighborhood, but I don't think you should be out there by yourself. Dry and there's a lock on the door. By the way, I'm Keith. Tess. You take the bedroom and I'll sleep out here on the couch.
Let's talk about Barbarian then, which is a 2022 movie. And it was written and directed by Zach Kreger. And I think that's his first movie, so there's not a lot on, I can give you about who he is and what he used to write. Although I think he used to write mainly for TV. Yeah, I saw his, I saw his uh, IMDb page and I was like, what is all this crap? It's like, yeah, there was nothing familiar. It's nothing I know. Yeah, so I was like, okay, so this is like... His first Yeah, this thing. is like your big break, like for sure. Definitely, yes. Uh, as far as the cast, it stars Georgina Campbell as Tess. Georgina Campbell that I think... I wasn't really familiar with her. I think she was in an episode of Black Mirror. Um, she was in a TV series called Suspicion, but I've never heard of it. So I wasn't really familiar with her. I've se- I was like, when I, when I watched the, the movie, I was like, okay, I know you're from somewhere. And then I was like, oh, yeah. So I did watch Suspicion. Okay. Um, Not not a bad one, I would say. I kind quite enjoyed it. Okay. Um, but black 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 mirror. I'm like, where were you there? So I had to actually look up the episode. I, I had to look no up idea. the episode, and I was like, okay, I don't remember the episode, and I don't remember you there. So I was like, very like, yeah, I was very surprised. <laughs> Do you remember the plot of the episode? No, or? no, I saw. I, no, I don't remember no. the plot. I I I scrolled through some of the pictures. From the episode, I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. remember this. Um, it's going to drive me nuts. Yeah. <laughs> um, for you not the right time to be like, oh, I want to know which episode it was. It doesn't matter. Um, it also stars, I'm going to give the main ones, obviously. There's not that many. Uh, Justin Long as AJ. He's kind of super well-known. Well, I don't know. I know him well. I don't know if that was the case for you, but he was in movies like Die Hard 4.0, Jeepers Creepers, Tusk, um, Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. You know where I know know him first from? Accepted. Have you watched that one? I don't know. You, it kind of rings a bell. It was it was like about um this guy who couldn't get into any uni, like every uni rejected him, so he mm-hmm. pretty much decided to create his own uni. No, I don't think I've seen this. Doesn't ring a bell. It's at one all. of those like um nineties teenage comedy type of movies. Okay. Um pretty funny. Like if you like in general those type of movies, I will Thing that you would find this like on that level as well hmm. um but yeah so, so that was like my first time i've seen him but yeah i've seen him in die hard i kind of vaguely remember jeepers creepers i watched the trailer and i'm like yeah i think i do remember but i, I don't really so the most that i actually it's remember weird. him looking from, at his uh yeah, he's done a lot of stuff yeah looking at his uh th- he's done a lot of stuff but not a lot of stuff that i've seen so i don't know why for me i think the movie that stuck with me and he was in that was tusk because it's such a horrific demented movie and it like stuck with me gave me ptsd proper mm. um so i guess i remember him from that but yeah he's he's got a face that you'd know though 
Um, another one, and I don't know how to say his last name, nobody knows. Bill Skarsgård? Skarsgård? I don't know, there's a weird little dot on the <laughs> A. It's like a a Finnish or Norwegian or Swedish, I think Swedish name. I don't know. You know who I mean. Yes. So he's the guy who played the clown in It. He was also in the latest John Wick Chapter 4. Mm-hmm. That's mostly what we know him for, because he's still young. So um, apparently he was in um, Eternals. I don't remember him as there. Crow. I don't remember him there. And he was in The Devil all the time, but I have not watched that movie, so I wouldn't know at all. He was in a me- movie called Villains. Oh, he was in a TV show. I watched, oh, it's on Netflix, with like a Hemlock Grove. It's not very good, but he was one of the main characters in that. And I just, yeah. Anyways, so Bill Skarsgård. And then there's also the old guy, Richard Brake, as Frank the Psycho. Uh, he's got a face that, you know, when you see him on screen, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. I've seen this guy in movies for sure. But never as a main character, I want to say, yep. Richard Brake. But he's got a, a well-known face. And he's been in mov- uh, lots of movies. He's been in Doom. That's hilarious. The one with a good old Dwayne Johnson. Mm. He was recently in a movie, a very small... It's a small movie in a way, Vesper. It's now on Netflix. And I recommend anyone that likes sci-fi watch this. It's very, very good. With a, Keep in mind, it's low budget. But he was the dad in that. Anyways... So yeah, not a long list of actors, but that's because the movie is kind of like a closed closed set mm-hmm. thing. So it just takes place in mainly in a house. So there's not a lot of characters. Um, I want to say it's a horror movie before we start talking about anything else. Uh, I guess the tags, I, did, I don't look at the tags, so I don't know. But what would... Uh, IMDB say I'm thinking horror yeah so both actually this is one of those times where both Rotten Tomato and IMDB did agree okay on this being horror mystery and thriller mystery and thriller yeah. okay yeah that that works for me mystery and thriller works as well as horror because there are some pretty revolting gory bits yeah and it's R-rated just an FYI yeah, well, okay, but in this case, I understand the R rating, yeah. whereas yeah. Bloodsport, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> but in this case, yes, be warned, it, it's not an easy watch at all times. Um, the budget for the movie was, so is the estimated one, but it was about, above 4 million. It was 4,500,000, obviously. Um, and it grossed more than 45 million, so nice little profit, nice little success here. Uh, the plot of the movie, so that's out of the way. It's kind of basically, it's a very simple plot. So there's a woman who has to go to Seattle for a job interview. Not Seattle, dude. Isn't it? It was uh, Detroit. Detroit, sorry. Yes, Detroit for a job interview. And she books an Airbnb. And when she arrives there, she realizes that it's been double booked. So there's already someone, a guy played by Bill Sasgard. Let me get the names of the characters. So the name of the girl is Tess, Bis Skarsgård is Keith. They've both ended up renting the same house via different, you know, services. And at first, she's not really sure she wants to say, especially because she it's like a weird neighborhood. Like a lot of the houses seem to be 
completely abandoned. It doesn't look like the most safe neighborhood. And so Keith suggests that she should stay with him. She doesn't want to at first. She agrees in the end. She's going to take the bedroom. He's going to take the couch. Anyways. Uh, but after that, we discover that there might be more to the plot, more to be afraid of than just what we thought at the you know first glance. Because obviously, as the movie starts, you feel, okay, it's the typical girl goes into a house, there's a guy there, he seems fine, you know? He, but that's where the movie smarts. There are little bits where you think, that's a bit odd, the way he does things, um, the way he reacts for specific things, or like the fact that like he is trying too hard to be nice to her. It's like, I'm not going to open the wine. I didn't want to open the wine unless you were in the room with me just to prove that I didn't spike the wine. Things like that are a little off. And that's because that's your expectation that he, especially casting him in that role, because he's known as the clown from it, you're like, oh, this guy is going to be a psycho for sure. And so you expect the problem to come from the fact that she is in this house with a guy and you don't know anything about this person, etc. But that's not what the movie's gonna do. And I thought that was such a smart premise. Um, anyways, a little bit before we get into the movie, maybe a little bit about the production, or like how it came about to be a movie. So basically the writer, Zach Kreger, was inspired by a book called The Gift of Fear. And there was a section in that book that basically encouraged women to trust their gut instinct and their intuition and to not ignore subconscious red flags, so to say. So for him, it was like, let's write a story about that, like a single 30-page story, like a scene, basically, or a play. He didn't think about writing a movie at the time. And he wanted to incorporate as many of the red flags as possible, but have a woman not really react on them, you know? So imagine the woman showing up to an Airbnb late at night and finding that it's been double booked. And so he thought that's the best setup to, you know, write this story that I want to write. And he stuck to the rule that he wanted... He wanted to be surprised by his writing. He didn't want it to feel predictable. And he felt at some point he hit a, a point like in his writing where he was like, well, now it's becoming predictable. So I need to flip the story on its head so that becomes it becomes interesting again. And that's kind of how he started thinking, well, I have more than a small story here. I could write a movie. Um, and then... He, when he was writing the, the screenplay, he named the movie Barbarian as like a placeholder, so something that could be changed later on. But as the story progressed, he realized, well, the name is perfect for the movie, so they kept it. And what's really funny about the name Barbarian is that it's, that it's only made up of letters that you can find in the word RBNB as well, which I think is a little interesting tidbit. There were issues in pre-production, like finding financial backups. I think one of the guys who was like his financier or someone died. So it wasn't an easy, smooth sailing road to it becoming a movie, but it got there, obviously. I think at some point 
they wanted to cast Zac Efron as AJ, who's like Justin Long's character. Um, but then Efron turned, adon- uh, turned down the role, and so he cast Justin Long, obviously. Uh, because he cast him because he felt like he's very warm and disarming and a bit charming, but the character of the story obviously is the complete opposite of that. And then he, he so I think Justin Justin Long was the first one to be cast, and then Bill Skarsgård, and then later on it was the Georgina Campbell person, Tess. Uh, yeah, and so as far as inspirations and themes for the the movie barbarian like has themes that relates to sexual abuse and trauma it's not obvious i say obviously it's not obvious when you start a movie but at the end of it you understand that and the ripple effects of abuse obviously um i don't want to say too much yet before we start a conversation because obviously this movie is a movie with twists and turns that you don't expect like i said the premise is very smart because you expect, when the movie starts, you expect a certain type of movie. You expect a confrontation between a woman and a guy who seems fine and charming, but just slightly off, and you think, well, that's going to devolve into like a horror story. But the movie doesn't go there. Um, before I say any more, I'm going to ask you your opinion on the movie. My opinion on... Just <laughs> what did you think on the movie? Because you had never seen it, so yeah. for you it was the first time watching it, and so that's the best, the best opinion I can get is someone who probably. I hope you didn't read too much before you watched I it. I didn't do anything. I didn't even watch the trailer. Okay. I didn't even watch the trailer. I just sort of, you know, okay, put on uh, Disney and you know, boom, play button. Yeah. And you know there was. Like, there was certainly, like, some moments where I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, it's so, so stupid, so, like, classy, you know, like, horror movie type stuff. Like, whenever, you know, an example, in in the morning after the first night, you know, in the morning, the lady walks out the door. Mm-hmm. She she looks at the neighborhood before getting in the car, going to her interview. She looks at the neighborhood, and it's all, like... And then she kind of drives down the street and it's all like these broken down, burned down houses. And she's like, I think she understands how bad the neighborhood is, but she's like, it's like almost as she doesn't really care or she's like fine with it. I would be like, get the fuck out of there right now. Go back home, pack a shit, you know, pack your bags and get the fuck out, you know, now. Um... Or, she wants her job, right? Yeah, yeah but, but... so like, And she has no other way of staying Yeah, you know, I would fucking live in a car. You know, like, if I just pack a stuff, you know, because she's going on the interview, you know, so just pack a shit, you know, get in the car with all your stuff, go into an interview, interview done, fucking get out. Um, you don't have to... Okay, but that relates to the theme, right? When he says, I wanted to write a story where there are a million red flags... But the woman yeah. ignores yeah, yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, so it's like, it's all those where it's like the classy, you know, like, what the fuck are you doing? But with, like, a lot of twists. And to be honest, like, I love scary movies. And there's not many mm-hmm. scary movies that I'm like, 
that I'm fucking sitting there panicking. Yeah. Like myself, you know, like I'm like. Did you panic here? Yeah, yeah. So I've I've actually, like the first scene when the girl like felt felt falls asleep, you know, like then she wakes up because the door opened. And I'm already like the door opens and I'm already like starting to freak out a bit. I'm like <laughs> Um so I'm like Yeah and there's been a bunch of those moments when I'm like fucking scared, you know, like I'm uh yeah. Yes, me yeah, too. When I was like fucking scared and you know, because again it falls onto the, the you know like kinda like predictable but then at the same time unpredictable. Not. Um because so as far as the story, at some point we understand that Keith isn't the bad guy of the story. And the girl, she's going to find something weird in the basement. So she's going to get locked uh, locked in the basement because the door just locks itself. Anyways, she finds this little hidden room in the basement where there's clearly been some someone that's been tortured there. There's just a mattress or a bed, a camera and blood on the walls. And she's like, this is fucking freaky. Um, and as the story progresses, her and Keith are going to investigate and they find out that not only is there this hidden room, but there's also a series of steps that lead like down tunnels on the ground. And so they go down and they get attacked by something. But up to the point that Keith, we see Keith getting killed in front of us, right? Up to that point, you still have the doubt whether is Keith trying to lure her in the basement. You are still not sure because he's crying. Like she tells him, just go in the room and come back up. And he doesn't do that. So she goes down, goes after him and he's yelling, help me, help me. But you would imagine someone who wants me to go down there will say that, but then attack me. And then he dies. And the movie cuts, fades to black and cut to... Justin Long's character, who is in Hollywood or California, he's an actor that is in his car and he gets a call from his agent. And you're like, what is going on? What happened to what happened to Tess in the basement? And she got attacked by a monster. Yeah. So, so, so the movie never stops. Yeah. So yeah, to surprise yeah, you. Yeah. So for me, like that, you know, where where um, where Keith gets killed and then you know it's like jesus yeah it's gory so the the, that to me was like part one of the movie and it kind of like finished with the there's three parts so it kind of like finished with a bang Mm -hmm. and then when when he dies and you know we we go to that hollywood part i'm like what just happened and like what is gonna like yeah what what is part two? And how is this? Yeah, going to be exactly. Like, how is this connected yeah. to the movie? Because so, uh, uh, we know yeah, so, it's th- something in the house in in Detroit. So why are we moving to California? How is that going to relate to Detroit? You know. So I thought at that point, I thought there's either two things. So either part two is a completely different story. Uh-huh. Like I thought, you know, because there, I think there have been like movies like that where you have like yeah. um, in a one movie, there's like several li- little like stories that not necessarily related. So yeah. I thought it could be that or they will somehow try to, you know, tie it together. But yeah. Yes. 
Yes, but you don't see where it's going. And it's only when... So, because he's an actor and he gets a call, basically his agents... I'm saying this for people who, you know, maybe um, haven't seen the movie or... At this point, maybe you should not listen to this podcast. But he gets a call from his agents and basically he's being accused of raping a a co-star or a woman on a show that he was working on. Um, and that's going to come out in the press. Obviously, all of his entourage, like, let him go. And he has to sell assets to ma- have some money. And one of these assets is that house in Detroit. And that's how you get, okay. So he goes there to see, you know, the house because he's not been there in so long. And that's like, that's also such a funny scene where he discovers at some point he's going to discover the basement and the hidden tunnels. And his reaction is not like, I'm scared, this looks shady. No, his reaction is, I need to measure this because it looks like I have a lot more uh, square meters to sell than just the house. So he's he's like starting to measure the entirety of the basement, plus he discovers the tunnel. So he goes down and at no point is he stopping to think, this is creepy. No, no, no. He's only interested in the money that he might make off those, you know, extra footage. I thought that was really funny. As opposed to Tess when she discovers the basement and the hidden room and she's not happy. She's not interested in the square footage. She's scared and she knows something bad happened there. And then, obviously, in the basement, he will encounter the same monster, which is called, I guess, referred to as the mother... Mm -hmm. I don't even know if the movie gives her a name, but I know that the writer in interviews said that in his mind she was like the mother, uh-huh. that the character was called the mother on set, etc. Um, and you still are not very cued in on what's going... Like, you understand there's a monster in the tunnels, but up to when we see the part, what I would call part three, that goes back in the past and you see Fra- Frank's story... At no point before that can you understand why is this mm-hmm. old-looking woman, like, giant in the tunnels. And I thought that was really smart as well, because despite having been surprised the first time with, you know, we fade to black, we move to AJ's story, he also goes down in the tunnels and gets attacked. Instead of just now having them to train to survive... Again, we fade black to black and we see another part of the story, a moving piece in this massive puzzle. And I thought that was really cool. Although the story itself, like... Because basically Frank was like this, um, I want to say serial abductor and rapist. Like he would kidnap women, have them locked up in the basement, like rape them and then have kids with them and from what we understand later on from like that um homeless guy is that he would then rape the kids his kids and yeah so it's like a copy of a copy of your dna and that's how you ended up with the the monster the mother character who's like end of the bloodline i think at this point (laughs) but that's it's so triggering as well and then it's Interesting because when we cut back to that the 60s or whenever that was that Frank was abducting the women, the neighborhood is beautiful as opposed to what we've seen before. So it's like this contrast of everything was so green and beautiful and the houses were pretty and the neighborhood looked safe and nice and yet 
the character we see on screen is committing like unspeakable acts. Um, and there's a contrast in that to me that I felt was interesting as well, as far as narrative te- uh, storytelling. But once you have that piece, though, once you understand Frank's story, then you understand the movie. Mm. And after that, there's no more flashbacks or more characters added. After that, you have all of the pieces you need to understand who the characters are. Because we haven't... I don't know what your thoughts were on AJ's character. So Justin Long, the actor... Or like I don't know if he was meant to be an actor or just like a producer or... Um, I think... Well, I think he played kind of the role like throughout like pretty good because he was like this good slash bad guy in his mind he was like good you know even when he was like talking Mm -hmm. in a bar to his friend and he was kind of like trying to justify explain himself yeah he's like he was thinking that he was good but he kind of like i think he understood that he was did kind of like a bad thing and then you know like when he came home he he like that night he called that the lady that he raped on set yeah um to ask for like a forgiveness and then yeah so i think like like you said because you said like zach afron was like the first pick for the mm-hmm. i think he wouldn't fit into this role I, yeah i think he might because he's done a movie where he played ted bundy mm. um and he worked as a as a psych, as a psycho, like as a serial killer, that is very charming, but is also not. Yeah. But I think with just with AJ's character, what was interesting is that up to that scene that you just mentioned in the bar with his friend, you give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Because he's calling everyone and saying the story isn't true, the story, yeah. and you'd like maybe. But then he admits that in the bar, yes, he raped her. Yes, she said no, but no means yes. And then you understand, oh, so he is yeah. a rapist. He's, and more, more than that, he won't, he won't admit it to himself. So in his mind, he did nothing wrong. And I think he tries, like his story, you, you think there might be a redemption. Because like at some point in the tunnels, um, he gets a gun. He kills Frank, doesn't he? So he finds the room where Frank is still alive and in a bed and like uh, Frank is like gesturing towards the table and I think at the end Frank shoots himself in the head, which I didn't really understand that. I thought I was confused as to why Frank was living in the tunnels. Well, it makes sense that he would because he didn't want to leave the house where he kidnapped all these women and all that. But why would he shoot himself? I'm not so sure. Um, And but then... AJ is looking at the videotapes that Frank recorded when raping all these women, and you can tell that he's disgusted by it. So you think maybe there's still hope for this character to redeem himself. But then at the end, he does throw Tess over the water tower just to save himself. And at that point, you know that that character is not redeemable. But that that was like, I wrote it down in my notes. And he said like, hey, go get your baby. And pushed, I was like... That was some quick thinking. Yeah. I was like, that was really quick thinking. <laughs> some quick thinking? Are you serious? Because he wanted to kill, like, kill... Okay, I always get this saying wrong. Kill two birds with one stone, correct? Yes. Because I always say kill one bird with two stones. And <laughs> people are like, what does that mean? Double kill. So, double kill. Uh, so he wanted... To, 
I yes, I kill Tess, but I get rid of the monster, or like the mother. But he didn't want to. No, because he didn't didn't want to kill her, right? Because he he shot her first time in in the in the tunnel. Okay, but that was an accident. Yeah, so it was yeah. an accident that he tried to, you know, like he was still helping her get out and, you know, get to the safety. Yes, but when he throws her off the tower, he has no way of knowing that she's going to survive that fall. Yeah. In his mind, it doesn't matter if she dies or not, as long as he's safe. So that's what I'm saying. It's like this selfish, self-centered prick, mm. and he he's never going to be redeemed. Yeah. Despite what he thought of himself and despite what, what you as the audience see on screen. So, you know, he's ripped that girl and you're not happy with that. But then you see him transform, air quote, in the tunnels a little bit and him not being uh, OK with the fact that this guy had videotapes of him raping women. So you think, oh, maybe, maybe he made one mistake and maybe he will come out of this as the hero. But that's not. No, this character doesn't get redeemed at all. If anything, it's like probably the worst mm. character at that point because at the end, you see that the mother, she, yes, she is terrifying and violent, but she also doesn't know anything else. And you see that when she jumps for Tess, like off the water tower, she just wants to protect her babies, that she she views them as like her babies. So at that point, I root more for her and Tess than I root for AJ. That yeah, yeah I just think you yeah. you need to die. <laughs> yeah, but that's so smart because at, when the f- movie starts and when you first encounter the monster, you think, okay, that's the main, you know, mm. bad bad character. That's the one we should all be afraid of. And when the movie ends, my thoughts or my feelings have shifted. I no longer think she was the worst character of the movie or like the most dangerous character of the movie. Yeah. But his character, I think was interesting and, and like so well written, but the entire movie I think is well written because you get surprised so often because it leads you down some routes that you think it's going to be predictable. Even when the monster narrative starts, I'm like, okay, so now they have this monster. We're going to have a lot of jump scares and, and it doesn't really go there. Um, was they remember the scene? I think it was when um, uh, daytime when the hobo was like running, chasing the girl into the house. Robert. Yes. Yes, that was scary. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. So. It, it, okay, but then I have a note on that. Yeah. So. Because, like, if you wanted to warn someone about a danger, would you run after them like a mad person? Yes, because scaring them away. Probably, I think they are like that. You know, like. Because that hobo said that he was living there for like 15 years or so. And, you know, in that shithole, like, um, I don't think Mm -hmm. after living for such a long time, you're, you know, normal. But then he tried kind of to redeem himself when he then, remember, saved the, the girl. Yeah, but I don't think he needed redeeming. He never wanted to do anything bad. No, in, I in, just don't understand when... Yeah, it... when in, in eyes of Tess, maybe. Um... Yeah. Oh, maybe. Maybe in her eyes. Yeah, because he helps her through the yeah, window in the basement yeah. at some point. Yeah. Yeah, but like, I never understand. And this is a common trope in a lot of horror movies. When someone is trying to warn the innocent characters about... A a danger, a danger lying ahead in in the storyline. Um, 
they don't do it like in a normal way where you go and you say, oh, sorry, I don't want to bother you, but you shouldn't go there. No, no. They run and scare them off. And so they never get to warn anyone because everybody is scared of them. And same with this homeless guy. Like, why would you run at her? You know she's a woman. She's by herself. You look a little bit scary. Why would you just run at her, charge at her? Just walk normally. Well, maybe he just, he, he ran at her because he didn't want, he, you know, he wanted to make sure that she, he catches her before she enters the house because she was so close to it. Yeah, maybe. But then, yeah, I think you could have yelled, miss, miss, sorry, like something that doesn't scare people away because... He was running and yelling. Oh, was he yelling? I forgot. But yeah, he was scary. I would have done the same as her. I would have locked myself <laughs> in the house and called the police. And I think there was also a commentary, a commentary about the police force not wanting to get involved in neighborhoods that are mm. so run down and so dangerous. And they can't even be bothered to come and help. And they, they do, but not really. Uh, they won't even like when when the homeless man is chasing her and she runs in the house and she calls the police. They say, "Oh yeah, we we might not come come down there like mm. for a little while because we don't have enough men, but also that neighborhood is like dangerous." So <laughs> super helpful, thank you. Um, but yeah, what was the point where you thought, "Oh, this movie is not what I think it is." Um... Yeah, I think it was that, you know, when, like I said, when part one finished with a bang, uh, Faith got smashed into the... Because I didn't think that that um, it would end so soon, at least like the... Right. Uh, for Keith, you know, I didn't think it would end so soon. And then that, you know, that break and it's like completely, you know, rainbows and... Uh, California beaches or whatever that scene was with you know it was like mm-hmm. so like the contrast was so it was so different and yeah so I was like okay this is weird but yeah like those moments where you expect Keith to be the bad guy yeah and you know like him saying those things those things but at the same time I kind of understand why he would say because you know here you are a guy in the in the apartment, you know, and then you have a girl come in and then you expect kind of like the expectation is like that you're probably the bad guy. He's going to be the bad yeah. guy. And, and yeah. I think that... But at no point do you expect her to be a bad... Yeah. You know how that's funny? Like, that would have been surprising if she, she ended up being like some weird mm. bad character as opposed to the, the Keith character. Yeah. But it, I mean, it kind of like made sense because even I think they they um, I think yeah, Tess said something when they were sitting drinking wine or or so, mm-hmm. where she said, "If I was there first and you were on my doorstep saying like, hey, here I am. I'm, this looks like it's double booked.'" She said, "I wouldn't let you in." Yeah, yeah, so of course not. Yes, so even though, yes, it might be legit, and, you know, if the situation was reversed, I wouldn't let you in. And that kind of, like, makes sense, you know, like, because as the guy, yeah, you, you kind of, like, like feel more, more, I guess, safer, you know, when it's just, you know, mm-hmm. another girl versus, yeah, it's just different. 
So yeah, it kind of like makes sense. And you know, like if, if the question was like, what would you do in that situation? You be you being like a man or a woman? Sure. I think it would exactly be like that. You know, like if it, it was me, like yeah, it would be like yeah, sure, just come in. I'll just sleep on a couch and you. And then if I was a woman in that situation, yeah, there's no fucking way I would let a, a dude in. You know? No. <laughs> No, no matter if he yeah. looks like this, yeah. God. Yeah, because again, you're thinking because the dude came in earlier in the day, so he obvi or even before, so he obviously knows what the neighborhood looks like, and that's kind of like a, I don't want to say like a plot hole to me, but like me nitpicking. If I'm okay. booking an Airbnb, yeah, or you know, I I'm fucking looking at the either. At the neighbor, what you know, like you can on Google Streets, you can view the surroundings. Yeah. Or you're looking at the reviews. Like, there's no way on that Airbnb. There's like, oh yeah, amazing place, great hosts. You know, like, uh, there's like what? <laughs> there's gotta no, be definitely there would have been reviews. Yeah. Like, yes, of course. So like, but I'm allowing that little largest, I guess. I like the movie enough that, I, yeah, you're right. It's, it's like a little bit of a plot hole that no one yeah. thought to look at the <laughs> reviews or even the neighborhood. Because, <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't book that Airbnb. But then again, this, he kind of says in the movie, so she wants to book a hotel. And he says there's nothing left that to rent at the moment because there's this convention or something in town. Yeah, but she probably... So maybe it was out of necessity. No, but she probably booked it a while back, right? So she yeah, was, at the time yeah. you book it, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, that's that's a little bit of a plot hole. Definitely, because that's one of the first <laughs> things you do. For me, it's yeah, the reviews. reviews. Like, And I doubt any anyone would be like... Oh, lovely neighborhood, yeah. so close to all the the sites. <laughs> In the tunnels. Oh, the tunnels. But that's my other thing, though. So, this house has been maintained, and it's been turned into an Airbnb or whatever. For a while, I'm guessing, because you know the actor, so AJ, who owns the house, hasn't been back in so long. How... How have no one disappeared? Like, how has no one disappeared before? Because it seems the mother can roam free in the house at night. She goes upstairs. Why has she never either killed or kidnapped any, not tenants, but like, how do you call the people who stay somewhere? Uh, I don't know. Anyone staying there? (laughs) How has the dwellers? So to me, that was another one because, like you said, in the first. There's this first scene where Tessie sleeps the first night she stays there. We see the room, uh, the door, I think, closing or opening. And you see a shadow. So clearly the mother goes upstairs, right? So So if there's been people staying there before, Mm. they would clearly say, like, or they would die. Yeah, so that's the thing. That for me was a plot hole. I'm not sure. So... like later on, after like finishing watching and thinking of that scene, like I'm not sure if it was the mom, like the mom, the mother. Um, I think it was the mother because we know that like later on in the movie, it comes back that she has access to the. She goes in the house during the night, and that's also the hobo is like she's active at night, and she clearly knows her way towards the basement because she chases um, Tess. Yeah. 
all throughout the tunnels to the basement. So I think it's the mom. I don't think it's key. Yeah, I, I don't think... Even though at first, when you watch the movie, you think it's yeah. keys. But... And yeah, so the hobo says that like she's like active at night and she gets out. But like, I didn't see how would she get out. Because there's no like, from the inside, there's no... It's only that rope that you pull that would open the door. So I don't know. Yeah, but she's freakishly strong, right? She's she's not what? my size or your size. She's a giant. So maybe she's strong enough to push. But then how does she put everything yeah, back together? I, yeah. But then who was in the room that first night? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So it, it kind of makes it seem like it could have been the mom. But... I don't know. But maybe not. Maybe it was the dude. Because in the basement, everything is... Maybe it was the... the... You mean Frank? Yeah. No, because he's like... He's bedridden. I think he can't even, no. you know, go to the bathrooms by himself. But you write that in the basement, everything is stacked up on the wall against that secret door. So how would you put that back? Yeah. If you've entered the tunnels, yeah. you can't put the shelves back. So who who is in the house opening no, doors then? Maybe it's another. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's annoying me now. <laughs> uh, yeah, because now I'm like, that makes no sense. How would you close the basement door mm. and then put the shelves back and not make a yeah, mess? So even, yeah, so that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, even if it's not her, maybe it was a wind, you know, that opened the door. Maybe. Um. But then, then yeah. But didn't we see a shape though? I, I feel know, like I, we saw some weird shape in the background. I don't remember seeing a shape, but again, it could have been like mm. you know a wind and a tree, you know, like with with a tree with the moonlight or something. So like it's fine, like yeah, on, on that hand. Maybe. But that, like when the hobo says that she's active at night and she gets out, mm-hmm. and obviously there's not many people to catch in the neighborhood. Like there's nobody else living there. It it doesn't like from the daytime. That's true. Um, scenery, there's nobody living there. So no. she, like, gets out at night, that's fine. But, like, how does she get out, in and out? You know, that's what kind of, like, I'm more curious. That is, yeah, I don't know. Maybe the tunnels lead somewhere or, I don't know. I've seen an interview where people ask the the writer and director, Zach Kreger, whether, in his mind, were the tunnels built by Frank or were they like some older tunnels built by someone else and for him it was like to me it's Frank that built those Mm. like in his mind Frank built this entire underground tunnel basement thing that's why Um, he says like when you know when they go back to those 60 scene and his neighbor says like hey I'm selling the house yeah, because it, like the neighbor, it, he's like, oh, because we think that next year we might not sell, and then he's asking him like, are you gonna leave? And he's like, oh no, I'm not leaving anywhere. Yeah, he said like, I'm not leaving anywhere. Yeah, yeah, but I thought that obviously we know he's um, a rapist and a serial. I want to say killer because I'm fairly sure the victims didn't like survive very long. Um, so I thought he meant like. I will not leave this house until, like, I'm forced to. I didn't understand it to mean... But I guess it it joins your theme that he would not have left, so he figured, I'm gonna build tunnels so I can stay under this house. No matter what happens to the house, I will still be here. That would make sense. Um, Yeah. 
uh, it, also in an interview, Zach Kreger, so the writer, was asked who he felt was like the um, the most sympathetic character of the story. And to him, he said, for me, it's the mother because she's been raised in like this pitch black dungeon because obviously at the time she was born, they all probably were living in the tunnels at that point, right? Yeah. The house probably belonged to someone else. But so, and she was raised in an environment of only two things, like violence from her father, but also smothering love from that video that she showed. So she keeps watching this little video of a mother nursing her child. So the only two things she knows are violence and like smothering love. And that's what she becomes because she doesn't know anything else. And he said that someone a friend of his or someone referred to her as a perfect combination between Leatherface and King Kong. Mm -hmm. And he thought that was really apt. And it's kind of true. It's like, but like I said, the movie, at the end of the movie, you don't feel like she's the monster of the story. Mm. To me, the main monsters are obviously Frank, but it's not debatable. And then AJ where you start off not liking because of the story coming out. And then you think, Oh, maybe he's not done it, or maybe he's redeemable. And then at the end of the movie, you're like, no, you have to go. You're a monster. Obviously, Tess and Keith are fine. Uh, Tess is like the survivor. And then Keith is just, he didn't have a long life, did he? Yeah. Which is so sad because at some point in the movie, you feel like, is this going towards like a romance yeah. blossoming between them two? Because they seem to really enjoy each other in each other's company the one one thing that for me at the end of the movie it just i wanted to have an answer to was what about her job because <laughs> i felt like her interview went really well and i thought oh, she definitely got the job mm. but then she has been in the dungeon like in the tunnels for months kind of like two months or something by the time that aj comes and in my head, I'm like, shit, so she probably never showed up for work. Not necessarily months. Don't, doesn't she say that she's been there for like two months? I feel like they say it because we don't know. I don't think she would have known. Like, oh, no, it's the people on the phone. Like when he goes back to the house and he says, why is it not being cleaned? And the agency is like, oh, the last 10, uh, the last, I don't know, the, the last occupants uh, were they two months ago? No, no, because all the stuff. I think no, so. No, because all the stuff was in the room, you know, like all the the backpacks. For yes, but that's what he says. He says, "Why is all the stuff here?" And they say, "We only clean prior to someone arriving. We never clean when they leave." And he gets all, all up annoyed about that because he says, "But that makes no sense. What if they leave a mess? You wouldn't catch it for like weeks." And they say it's the policy. But she tells him the, there should not be anyone in the house because they've, they left, or like she, they're not supposed to double book it. Uh, they left like two months ago. So she's been in the tunnels for two months at that point. Mm. But it's okay. She's been fed with like the baby bottle. <laughs> that was so gross. Ew, yeah. Because there's like bits <laughs> of hair and skin. <laughs> My God, that was the most repulsive, wow. yeah, repulsive scene for me. Although the head being smashed to bits, so mm. Keith's head was was pretty gross. But yeah, overall, w w so for me, I lo really enjoyed this movie. I was 
I went to see it for my birthday because I heard the hype wow. and the hype was good. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go. It came out uh, in November. So I went to see it for my birthday. And what's hilarious is that uh, so throughout the screening, when the head gets smashed to bits, Dave turns to me and he's like, is this a horror movie? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, I hate horror movies. <laughs> no, but I didn't know he didn't like horror movies. So I didn't think to tell him. But he liked it. At the end, he was like, that actually was was really good. Well, I agree. It's it's a, it's a very good one. I enjoyed it. And I said, like, I haven't seen it before. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know about this movie. So I had, like... Zero knowledge about it. So surprising yeah. to me. Um, zero knowledge about the movie. Wasn't it like super hyped up? I don't know. I've, in Australia, I've never like I've, I don't think I've even seen the poster for that. Oh okay. Like, so when I when I googled it, I saw the post. I mean, usually you know, like you see you see posters like this, you know, just mm-hmm. imprints in your brain. I don't remember the poster. I don't remember any. Like I told you, you, you said the movie. I had no idea what the fuck you're talking about. And then I googled it. Wow, I'm so surprised. I googled it. I'm like, okay, I'll watch it. Um, but yeah, no. Well, you have no choice. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, had no clue, and I, I haven't even. Except I didn't read like prior to like, you know, you said it. Um, I started watching it, and like prior to that, I didn't read anything about it. I didn't watch any trailers, nothing. Okay. So I just you know, open Disney and then press play. Um, yeah. Yeah, and like, like I said, like there, there, there was several times when I was watching. I'm like, okay, make it stop. I want this movie to. I was like, so fucking scary. I was like, nah. Um, yeah. But yeah. And at the end, like when she comes to, in the water tower where the homeless guy took, I didn't think that was gonna happen because I didn't realize she could walk down the street. I thought she would stay in the house. Mm. So at that point, I was like, oh. This is scary. And she like ripped the hobo's arm off, and oh, even God, the hobo was surprised. <laughs> yes. Oh. So yeah, I'm happy. Most people have recommended this to, like you have said. I did not. I didn't know where it was going, but I enjoyed the the product at the oh, yeah, end. Yeah, one hundred percent. So it's a it's a good critique. Yeah, one hundred percent. What rating would you give it? It's at seven on IMDb. Seven out of ten. Seven out of ten on IMDb. Yeah, ninety three mm-hmm. on. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, and it's actually it's like I'm looking the audience score on this one is seventy one percent, which is is that good? Well, it's lower than Bloodsport. <laughs> this website has been hacked. There's no way. It's just nonsense. Yeah, and I'm so what? <laughs> yeah, it's lower than uh, Bloodsport from audiences, not the not yeah yeah, but. <laughs> But yeah, okay. look on on IMDb it's seven Bloodsport was six point eight. Mind you that. It's true. Um, so I would like to be honest, like rating wise, I would give it higher than seven. Me too. I'm surprised it's at seven. I would give it eight point five. I don't know about eight, but definitely a solid eight. Because I enjoyed the movie. There was like those twisted like unexpected stuff and the horror that i was like you know wanting it to stop as soon as possible and so yeah i've i fucking enjoyed it so i, I definitely at least an eight a solid eight and like beyond okay. so yeah i liked it i'll give it an 8.5 but i think it's going to be hard to decide who's the winner because the movies are so different in nature it's like comparing 
apples and oranges I mean, really uh, one apple. is an action from the it- <laughs> no, no but like for me i i have a hard time deciding a winner because i think they're two very different genres and i was pleasantly surprised by blood sports mm. but i i prefer in my ratings i prefer barbarian because i think in blood sport it's, there's too many 80s related problems <laughs> um such as no, but, uh, the weird montage with the nighttime and the daytime <laughs> and just why wouldn't you keep the same cuts? No, but I, I, I but it was a good movie. Yeah, I don't think we, you know, like we're not, I don't think we're necessarily picking the winner based just on the, you know, on the score because we're just scoring, you know, that specific movie. But like when you're comparing the two and then you just pick whatever you like the best, um, you know what? Because last time we, we had a draw, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Okay, I'll go I'll go with Barbarian for this pick. Oh. See, I'm tem- it's weird because I think both of us, it was the first time watching the movie. So for me, first time watching What's Boat, mm. and for you, first time watching, watching Barbarian. And I feel like I kind of want to choose Bloodsport because it surprised me in a good way. Mm. So maybe t- this week I'm going to go with that. I love Barbarian, though. I'm really sorry, Barbarian. <laughs> I, you're my favorite. But in terms of experience, I guess Bloodsport was not what I expected, and it was l- less bad than I expected. <laughs> so I'm going to give it the win. Mm. Oh, but it's a draw again, mm. then. But you see, it's a different kind of draw, because last time we voted for our own picks. Yes. This one is the opposite. So very interesting. Yeah, very interesting indeed. Okay, but in terms of quality, I think Barbarian is better. So, like, if you don't know which one to watch at home, I'd recommend probably... Oh, no, because Barbarian is... You don't watch that with your kids. Let's just say that. I hope you didn't well, watch both, it with both, your toddler. Both are R-rated movies, so let's put it there. Different kind of R. Yes, but yeah. well, yeah, okay, <laughs> different. I'm going to go for Bloodsport because I expected a mess and it surprised me in a good way and Jean-Claude Van Damme, I have to vote for yeah. him, so. I mean, I would be surprised if you didn't. Hello. Muscles from Brussels. Yes. The right kind of muscles. <laughs> the muscles. <laughs> Not, Not the... the food. <laughs> the What's it called? The sea? Seafood? Yeah, seafood. Just come on. Shellfish. Shellfish. <laughs> yeah, shellfish. Oh. It's not that. It's the actual muscle. So, yeah. Okay. So, it's a draw, but it's a different draw. And I have to vote for Belgium. Okay. So, yeah. there you go. All right. Do so you want I have my jar of movies? Okay. How about you shuffle until I say stop? No, you keep shuffling until I okay. say stop. Okay. Stop. Midsummer. Midsommar, actually. Midsommar, okay. Have you seen it? I don't it? think so. That is mental. <laughs> ah, come on. It's weird because we're staying in a bit of like a horror genre theme here. Midsommar. Okay. Um, mine for you would be a new show um, called Silo. Okay. I've started it, so okay. it's not a problem. All right. Fan- fan- fucking yeah. Fantastic, then. Is it finished now? Yes. Or... Um, oh, okay, so Friday. I just have to watch what's yeah, left. This okay. Friday. Okay, cool. was the last one, so... Yeah, I don't know how far you in, but I think it's... Uh, we I think we watched like four episodes of five, okay, maybe four. Ten. I want to say four. So, step up, Jess. Better get going. Yeah. <laughs> but we have, a, I guess, a month. A month to watch yeah. it. Okay, Silo. Silo versus Midsommar. Okay. Uh, well, I guess that's it for today. All right. Thanks. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And until next time. Until next time. Bye. Bye.